just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. Things warming up here. It's going to be 80 degrees today, so it's about fucking time. I did two podcasts yesterday, the regular podcast, and then I did an extra one with my compatriot, Ed. He's a reoccurring guest on the Rational Boomer Podcast and always shows up as an extra podcast. So if you haven't listened to it as yet, by all means, check it out. Ed always has an interesting point of view and a different uh, perception of what's going on as opposed to just listening to me. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about on this show, and we've got some emails that we want to get to first off, like we normally do. Here's the first one. Hey, Mike, I know you've touched on this topic before, but I'm still a little confused about how this all works. So the Supreme Court nominee goes into the confirmation hearing and swears under oath to tell the truth. That's true. The nominee under oath makes declarative statements that Roe v. Wade is settled law and there's no basis for overturning it. It's well-established precedence. That's true. After being confirmed to the bench with a lifetime tenure, they say, well, I lied and there ain't jack shit you can do about it. My question is, can a justice be impeached and removed from the bench for lying under oath? Had they told the truth in their confirmation hearing, they would not have been confirmed. How is it that they get away with lying under oath? If I lie at a congressional hearing, they'll put me in jail. What's wrong with this picture? What am I missing? As always, thank you for your time and keep up the good fight. Bruce. Well, I think you pretty much nailed it there. That's exactly what happens. The Supreme Court justice nominees go to their confirmation hearing and they'll say whatever they have to say in order to get confirmed. Every one of the people that signed on this uh, draft opinion that leaked out to overturn Roe v. Wade has all sat in a confirmation hearing. They were all asked about Roe v. Wade because it's kind of a serious, touchy situation. And They were asked to acknowledge that this is settled law and there's really not much or much interest in overturning it. They were all asked that question and they all agreed with that. They said, yeah, it's settled law. There's not much we can do about it. But then, as you point out, they get into the court and say, fuck it, I'm going to do whatever I want. They signed this opinion, five of them saying, oh, yeah, we can overturn Roe v. Wade. And you're asking, what can we do about it? Well, clearly, we can't do a fuck all about it. I mean, that's the weird thing about the Supreme Court. With all this stuff going on with Clarence Thomas and his wife and some of the crazy issues he's going through, the fact that he won't recuse himself with anything that his wife is involved. Oh, and his wife just happened to try to overthrow the government. You would think that would be a conflict of interest. You would think at the very least he would recuse himself, but he refuses to do that. So surely there must be some law or some rule or regulation that forces him to do it. No, there's not. There is absolutely no rule or regulation to get him to stop. 
In fact, I was surprised when somebody said, you know, we should probably have some code of ethics for the Supreme Court. What? You don't already have a code of ethics for the Supreme Court? These people are supposed to police themselves? Well, that's exactly what's fucking happening. You would think the chief justice could put some pressure on one of the Supreme Court justices, but no, he can't do jack shit. Fact of the matter is, Clarence Thomas can sit there and not recuse himself all he wants with no um, no responsibility or no um, pay no uh, punishment for doing these wrong things he's doing. I think what we found out in the five years since Donald Trump was elected is that there's a lot of unwritten rules and regulations and norms in the White House and obviously in the Supreme Court as well. These are rules, unwritten rules, that the people who were in those positions followed because that's what they always did. Well, now Donald Trump comes in. He's got all these norms, things he shouldn't do. He can't be indicted. He can't be prosecuted while he's president, so he's kind of safe there. But still, they generally followed rules and norms in those positions. Not Donald Trump. He said, fuck it, I'm going to do whatever I want. And what do we find out? Absolutely no accountability for him. The rules, regulations, and norms have fucking no teeth. And that is a big problem now that that's been exposed. We should maybe be glad that Donald Trump exposed that. So hopefully they might be able to fix it. Now, you ask, can a uh, Supreme Court justice be impeached? Yes, they can. Just like a president. What happens is they get impeached in the House of Representatives. It goes to the Senate, and they decide whether to convict him. So theoretically, they can be impeached like Donald Trump was, but not convicted in the Senate, and they get to keep their job. They're just a little embarrassed for being impeached. Now, there's only been one attempted impeachment in uh, um the Supreme Court, and it was like in the 1800s, and that's exactly what happened. He was impeached in the House, went to the Senate, wasn't convicted. He stayed on for another 20 or 30 years. So realistically, yes, they can impeach them. The likelihood of them actually being impeached and kicked out of the Supreme Court, slim. And that is problematic for this country. If we have no rules and regulations for the people who we're supposed to be trusting more than anybody, meaning the Supreme Court justices, well, that's a problem. Because maybe in years gone by, these people have been completely above reproach and decent, honest people that went by rule of law. But clearly, that's not the case anymore. These people in the Supreme Court, these people that were jammed down our throats by the Republicans, seem to think they can do whatever they want. The question is, did they lie while under oath? Did they commit perjury? Well, I think they probably did, and there should be some ramifications for it. Uh, But based on the experiences we've seen with the Supreme Court, uh, we don't know that there would be any ramifications. But here's something to consider. I hear a lot of people talking about how things are going to happen, like the midterms or what's happening in the Supreme Court. And it's going to go this way because it always went this way historically. And I always explain to people, well, take a look at this moment in time, whether it be the Supreme Court, whether it be the Republican Party, or in a government in general. Tell me one time in history where we've seen this kind of activity, this kind of criminality, this kind of corruption. Never have we seen something to this level. So if we've got these things that are far greater than we've ever seen, 
to compare it to the rest of history isn't probably a good idea. It's not a good comparison. We're talking apples and oranges. So whether or not this will affect the midterms, you can't really say. Just because the Republicans typically win the midterms after a Democratic president is elected, that may meant something over the years, but this year it's a much different story. Now these people have to deal with uh, showing their cards too early and us finding out that the Republicans are looking to overturn Roe v. Wade. You've got 70% of the country that support Roe v. Wade. Please tell me how that's going to help in the election. I think that's the only answer to this thing, is vote these motherfuckers out, stack that Supreme Court, put four more justices on there, and even things out, and get things straight. But it's going to take some serious actions to get this done, and hopefully they'll be willing to do that. I mean, if the Democrats are lucky enough to get a bigger majority in the House and the Senate, they're going to have more power. I mean, we want power to somehow make mansion and cinema ir- irrelevant. So that's why we need more, uh, more Democratic senators. But if we can do that, then we can change a lot of things, assuming the Democrats are willing to do that once they finally have power. I'm convinced the things they're doing now is because these are the things that are going to work against the Republicans. Remember, we've got decades and decades when things could have been done for the people in this country and periods of time when Democrats have been in charge and they didn't do anything. So don't put all your hope into the Democrats. Let's be honest. This whole thing, this whole idea of codifying Roe v. Wade, they're going to try to do it this week. They're probably going to fail, but they're going to expose the people who are against Roe v. Wade. Fact of the matter is, there's been plenty of times when the Democrats have had power, and they could have codified Roe v. Wade, uh, but they didn't. Why? Because they're lazy? Because they didn't want to? Because they didn't care about it? I don't know. But now they're going to try it, they're going to fail, and they're going to have to play this game like every other fucking game we played within this government, and we just sit here waiting and waiting and waiting for something to happen. All right, I have a uh, a little scratchy throat, so I may cough now and then. I think I did on the show with Ed, and it's hard to edit that out because when I'm not talking, he's talking, so I can't exactly edit it out. So you're stuck here in the coughs. Not covid I got my second booster. I'm good. I have a uh, another email. This comes to me from Leanna. She says, hey, Boomer, I was listening to the most recent podcast with Ed, and you discussed getting rid of the two-party system. I definitely agree we need to change something. The two-party system isn't cutting it with today's many political parties. I learned about rank ch- ranked choice voting last year, and I think it would be a great option. Some cities and states already use this method. Let's say back in 2016 election, you wanted to vote for Bernie. He would have been your first pick. And if he didn't receive enough votes, your vote would go to your second choice, Hillary. It doesn't feel like your voting is your vote is being wasted with this method, and it gives other candidates a fair shot. We can't keep having elections where we are just choosing the less shitty of the top two shittiest candidates. 
I hope my explanation isn't too confusing. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Thanks for everything you do. Your podcast has become a part of my daily routine, and the episodes with Ed are so fun. Thank you very much, uh, Leanna. And I, you know, I think that's a that's an interesting idea. I, I hadn't heard about that option as far as uh, voting things, and it makes some sense. The reason I brought this up with Ed is because within each party, there seems to be two parties. In the Democratic Party, you have the far-left progressives, and you also have the moderate Democrats. Now, the problem is is, is when uh, uh, Hillary Clinton was running against Donald Trump in 2016, a lot of people thought it should be Bernie. So a lot of people that could have voted for Hillary voted for Bernie, even though they knew it wasn't going to do them any good. They were protesting. They were showing their disgust by the fact that they ignored Bernie again. So what happens is Hillary gets fewer votes and Donald Trump wins the fucking election. I mean, it didn't hurt that he had uh, Russia cheating for him and who knows what else he was doing to cheat. But but that's that's a good point, Leanna. I, th- I think that's a good idea. I mean, we've got a bad system now. It's not working well. And what I was getting at is in the Democratic Party, you really have two parties. You have the progressives and you have the moderates. They have very different ideology. The idea is you have to pick that group or the other group. Republicans, same way. You got more moderates in the Republican Party, and then you got these crazy fucking Trumplefucks. So if I'm a moderate Republican and I vote Republican, I'm voting Republican, but I'm also voting for the crazy Trumplefucks. That can't be too, that, that, that can't leave a good taste in your mouth. And the same would be for the Democrats. I was just thinking, my thought was, instead of two parties, four parties, because the progressives are different than the moderates in the defensive, or the defensive uh, Democratic Party. So if you split them up, you've got two parties. Same thing with the Republican Party. You've got two parties. Now you vote for whatever party best suits you, as opposed to having to vote for a party where you like one part, but you hate the other part. That doesn't make any sense. But I like your idea better, Leanna, you know, kind of uh, the kind of thing that uh, you vote one way, but you have a second choice if that one way doesn't go. That way your vote isn't wasted. And had we been able to do that in 2016, chances are Hillary would have won. So I'd be all for that. So Leanna, that, uh, that's a great idea. And I like it, and I think we should do it. It's just a matter of how we get people to do it. They aren't going to feel very comfortable pulling that kind of stuff when we're talking about the Democratic and the Republican parties. They like to keep it just the way it is because it's kind of convoluted, and they can uh, they can game the system sometimes. And this is all about cheating for them. Democrats and Republicans both cheat to a certain extent. It's a matter of who gets caught. And it's a matter that the Republican Party in 2016 and 2020 took it to a new level and took it to a new level in dealing with a foreign adversarial country. That's where the fucking problem lies. Now, talking about uh, an adversarial country, Let's talk about Vladimir Putin for a second. Now, May 9th is a big day in Russia. This is the day in World War II where they beat Poland. 
They're all excited about it. They celebrate it every year. I suppose it's a lot like our July 4th, and uh, it's a big deal. Now, everybody was concerned about what was going to happen on this May 9th, yesterday, when Vladimir Putin was going to speak. But it was really kind of weird, you know. A lot of people figured he was going to declare victory in Ukraine, but he didn't do that. He didn't say one word about victories in Ukraine, which is makes sense because he has no victories in Ukraine. But it wouldn't be too far to believe that he would say something to uh, lie about it, just to hype up his audience. He also didn't talk about nuclear weapons, which is a little strange. He's been hinting at that kind of stuff for several weeks right now. Things aren't going his way. NATO is helping his enemy, Ukraine, and he's trying to throw out little threats here and there uh, to try to get people to back off. Well, of course, nobody's backing off, and nobody will back off, but he seemed a little weak in this talk. He seemed a little off, and I'm not sure what his game was, but he didn't look like he was physically well. You saw him sitting in a chair. He had a blanket over his legs. He looked kind of puffy. I mean, there's a lot of talk about him being sick, and that's conceivable. He's 70 years old. He probably does whatever the fuck he wants, and with any luck, he is sick. The other thing they were going to do in that talk is fly over the doomsday plane. Apparently, this is a plane that Vladimir Putin and his people would be flying over when shit let loose, meaning nuclear war. And they were going to send that over to show how tough they are, but they didn't do it. They said it was because of weather. However, weather in Russia that day was absolutely fucking beautiful. So why didn't they do it? I have to think there's a reason for this, a big reason for this. And you know Vladimir Putin is pretty paranoid. And you know the Ukrainians have been shooting down planes. And I don't think it would have been possible. But can you imagine, had the doomsday plane, their air flagship, flying over in a procession, trying to impress all these people, and if somehow a Ukrainian got through with a stinger, shot that fucker up and crashed it, oh, that would have been embarrassing. And Vlad would not have liked that. So... Maybe that's it. Maybe he was paranoid. He didn't want to put it up, but he didn't. So that whole speech, while it's supposed to be a big deal, was pretty much a bust for Vladimir Putin and the Russians. All right. Now, I wanted to give you an interesting take on Republicans and overturning Roe v. Wade. Now, I have to say, I saw this, I saw somebody talking about this on TikTok, and I couldn't find his name, otherwise I would credit him. But uh, this is an interesting take, and I can't take credit for it. It's just something I saw. So I'll give it to you this way. Roe v. Wade was passed because of the 14th Amendment covering the right to privacy. That's really the basis of Roe v. Wade, right to privacy. So if they overturned Roe v. Wade... They're also taking away the right to privacy. Now, you heard the Democrats say that if they do this, they could make gay marriages illegal, take away rights from LGBTQ folks, and maybe even civil rights. Well, that's absolutely frightening, should it come to that. But here's the thing. You see, Republicans always act on emotions, and they don't have any foresight at all. They want what they want when they want it. 
and that means fucking now. Now, surely this abortion ban would affect Republicans, too. You can't tell me that only Democrats Democrats get abortions. With 70% of America supporting Roe v. Wade, there's got to be a lot of Republicans that support it. How's that going to work come election time? I mean, aren't these people going to kick back? Yes, they're Republicans, but if somebody is in a position where they need an abortion, um, and, and no doubt there are some Republicans that will, aren't they going to have a problem with this? And even if they are Republicans, if they're going to go through something like this or fear that they might at some point, are they really going to vote for them in the midterms? I don't think so. But there's something even bigger here about this situation. And this goes to what I said before, they don't think ahead. You know how Democrats have always wanted a national gun registry. If you own a gun, you should be registered, it should be on file, so they can track all the guns and and have a little bit of uh, enforcement going on with gun laws. Now, Republicans have always kicked back about that. They don't want that. They always took it to court, and they always won in court. But do you know why they always win in court? It's because they invoke the 14th Amendment and the right to privacy. Oh, shit. So if they tear that right apart for abortion, they leave themselves wide open to a national gun registry, which is what they don't fucking want. Somehow, I don't think they considered that or they don't believe that the Democrats would dare do that to them. Somehow, I guarantee Democrats will hit them with that at some time, in some point in the future. They will be screaming like a stuck pig. Basically, fucked around and find out. I've said this from the beginning. When Donald Trump got into office and was getting away with all these things, Republicans always thought, we're gaming the system. We're doing what we want. We are tough guys. But they're also setting precedent, whether it be behavior in the White House and the Oval Office, whether it be abortion or those sorts of things. There's always two sides to this thing. If you do something wrong and get away with it, conceivably, the other party The other side could do the same thing. Now, you take anything that Donald Trump did while he was in office that was absolutely fucking corrupt and criminal, and he got away with it. If everything stays the same, theoretically, a Democrat could do the same thing. And then, of course, the Republicans will be screaming and crying and saying, that's not fair and we're going to prosecute him. But again, we found out you can't indict and prosecute a president, certainly not a sitting president. So this motherfucker can do whatever he wants. And that's what Republicans don't pay attention to. I'm going to do this. I want it now. I'm going to be a tough guy. I'm going to get it now. But they don't realize they're setting up, setting themselves up to have the same thing inflicted on them by the other party when they are in power, when they are in the White House. I mean, to be honest, Joe Biden is not an unethical man. He's not somebody that's going to be criminal or corrupt in the White House. But what's fucking stopping him? We just watch Donald Trump do whatever the fuck he wants and there's no accountability. So theoretically, if Joe Biden was a bad man and he wanted to do all those things, theoretically, he should get away with it, just like Donald Trump would. Now, of course, all the Republicans would have all kinds of problem with it, and they'd want to fight back. They'd want to kick back. They'd want to do something to 
uh, Joe Biden, but sorry, your boy exposed the fact that anybody can fucking do anything. And it goes back to, you know, what we've talked about before. We've got Merrick Garland and all kinds of law enforcement people, all kinds of lawyers quoting this line to us over and over, nobody is above the law. Well, your actions don't prove that out. Your actions tell us that a president is above the law. Some members of Congress and the Senate are above the law. Some lawyers amongst White House uh, employees are above the law. Now, ultimately, with what's going on with the January 6th committee, and we've got the uh, televised hearings, that may change. But we need the DOJ to step up and start indicting and prosecuting people. We'd like to believe they are, and some of the actions they're taking right now suggest that they are. You know, as much as people say Merrick Garland isn't doing anything, he, he is, in fact, doing something. He's got a grand jury for the January 6th situation. And when you have a grand jury, that means a couple of things. You're going there specifically to try to get them to agree to indictments so you can ultimately prosecute it. You don't have a grand jury unless you're trying to do that. So if, in fact, Merrick Garland has a grand jury, He's looking to indict some people regarding January 6th. Now, whether or not they indict Donald Trump or prosecute Donald Trump, who knows? What he did may be so egregious that they have to, in spite of the fact that it's unprecedented and poses some kinds of problems when you indict a a former president. But if you remember back to the Watergate days, if you're old enough to remember back to the Watergate days, A lot of the people around Donald Trump or around Richard Nixon at the time went to fucking jail. The attorney general went. Uh, Advisors went. A lot of people went to jail because they were tied into that whole situation. Now, what we have with Donald Trump and the Trump administration is about 100 times bigger. The crimes were 100 times bigger. There are more people involved in this. And there's more ways to check it other than just the tapes that they had with uh, Richard Nixon. We've got texts. We've got emails. We've got documents. It's all right there in these people's hands. So I suspect you're going to see a lot of indictments. You're going to see a lot of people fucking go down. And we'll be watching for it. But uh, think about that, though. I found that very interesting. They want to wipe out Roe v. Wade, and it's all about the 14th Amendment and uh, uh, right to privacy. If they do that, then it does leave them wide open for the Democrats when they have power or enough power to say, all right, we are going to get um, gun registration throughout this country. Anybody who has a gun has to be registered. They won't like that. But they set the precedence. They fucked up, and they're going to be stuck with it. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. All right, I haven't talked much about this story because, honestly, I don't care much about it. I don't mean to be mean. It's just there's so many other bigger things to talk about, but this is a hot button right now. Former Alabama corrections officer Vicki White has died from injuries after she escaped with inmate Casey White. Uh, they were arrested in Indiana early Monday. Sheriff Dave Wedding of uh, Vandenberg County told CNN, apparently. 
Now, she was hospitalized earlier with self-inflicted gunshot wounds after being taken into custody following a car chase in Evansville, Indiana. U.S. Marshals previously told CN that uh, her wounds were very serious, apparently, at the time. Now, if you don't know this story, this was the story where there was a man, this killer, was in jail. He's like 6'9", he's a fucking monster, he's a criminal, he's a killer. Apparently struck up some kind of romantic relationship with this corrections officer, who happened to be a woman by the name of Vicki White. Somehow they hatched a plan where Vicki White was going to break him out of jail. They were going to take off and run away and have a white picket fence and have four kids and live a happy life. Well, this scenario was never going to turn out very well for anybody involved. Um, so anyway, they take off, and it was they were actually having a hard time uh, finding these people. Uh, but then they finally came across them, and uh, the chase ensued. Officers conducting surveillance spotted Vicki White exiting a hotel with a wig, according to U.S. Marshal Matt Keeley. Then she and Casey White got into a car and drove away. Authorities continued to watch them until a vehicle pursuit began, ending when a U.S. Marshal Task Force member drove a vehicle into the Cadillac the pair were in. Now, the car wrecked and rolled over. Uh, Casey White was driving the car, according to the U.S. Marshals, even though they had early reported that uh, Vicki White was driving. Officers were unable to remove the were able to remove the inmate from the wrecked car, and he's maybe injured, but he's okay. He's going to survive. But Vicki White was pinned inside with a gunshot wound in her head. Now they're saying that she committed suicide, and that's probably the case. Uh, but you're in a car who just broke out of jail with a guy who's a convicted killer. I'm thinking it could have gone either way. A lot of people were betting that once he got out of jail, he'd probably do away with Vicky anyway. He didn't need uh, extra baggage if he was trying to avoid getting caught. Or maybe these two lovebirds were really in love and they were going to go set up a house someplace. I don't fucking know. As I say, this story didn't interest me much because it's very minor compared to all the other fucking crazy shit we have going on in this country. That's not to say it isn't important, and it's caught people's attention, so that's why I thought I'd mention it. So the convict and uh, the correction officer who broke the convict out of jail has been caught. Unfortunately, the corrections officer ended up dead with a gunshot wound to her head. They're claiming it's self-inflicted, so you got to take it at its word. Uh, the killer, he is in custody now, and he probably won't get out forever. Um, and I'm thinking, the way this turned out, there isn't going to be another correction officer that wants to start a relationship with him. This this didn't turn out really well. All right. In light of the leaked draft option of the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade, Mitch McConnell said today or yesterday that there could be possible it could be possible that a nationwide ban on abortion could happen after the midterms. 
thought that was really strange that he would say that because, you know, once this leaked and people were talking about overturning Roe v. Wade, these Republicans didn't want to say shit about it. As much as they've been working decades to overturn Roe v. Wade, once it did happen and there was all this uproar, they realized, oh, fuck, this is going to screw up the midterms. Nobody wanted to talk about it, including Mitch McConnell. But he says this yesterday. He says that it's possible they could overturn um, Roe v. Wade on a national level. You see, what's going on here really only affects the states, but once it affects one state and it overturns Roe v. Wade, it's conceivable it could be overturned in a number of states, those states that are interested in doing things, those states that don't want to ban abortion wouldn't have to, and and, and uh, they would still uh, be legally able to do abortions. But now, if what Mitch McConnell's saying is it would be a national mandate, and that's where the problem is. Now, a few days ago, he didn't want to talk about the issue. He knew that when you are pissing off 70% of Americans that support Roe v. Wade, that's kind of problematic for the midterms. So why would he make a 180 turn and hype the fact that there could be a national ban? That doesn't make any sense. Well, consider this. The cat is already out of the bag. The shock is over, and it will ease up as time goes on. It's doing some damage to their election prospects. Maybe they plan to try to take the heat off, and they plan to back off overturning Roe v. Wade. They may not want to do it, thinking that this is screwing up our midterms, we better stop. But they have to understand something. If they do that because they're getting too much heat from the Democrats, if you back off Roe v. Wade and don't overturn it, you're going to piss off your own people, your own evangelicals, your own trump They are going to be pissed off, and we know that they can be pissed off at the Republicans. Hell, we know they can be pissed off at Donald Trump. They'll get it mad at anything that doesn't when they don't get their way. So here's what I'm suggesting. Um, Mitch McConnell's trying to have it both ways by saying what he said. He wants to back off because he sees it wrecking his midterms. Let me just say this up front. What we've already seen about this intention of overturning Roe v. Wade, this is all things Democrats and Republican moderates can't unsee. These are going to be in their minds all the way through to the midterms. They know that even if they don't overturn Roe v. Wade, it's coming at some point when they don't have as much trouble with an election coming up. So in spite of the fact they may look like they're backing off, everybody knows that they're going to go after it anyway. This just wasn't an opportune time for them. And, you know, of course, of course, with it being leaked, that kind of took them by surprise. But they still have the issue of the trump and how to keep them happy. You don't overturn Roe v. Wade. Maybe Mitch, and I don't know this for a fact. I'm just trying to look at the situation and see what I can figure out. Mitch McConnell comes out and says we can have a national ban on abortions after the midterms. So maybe this is the game he's playing. He's backing off. Roe v. Wade being overturned between now and November just to calm down the Democrats and so that they can divert it in another direction. 
But they know the Trump LaFucks are going to be angry. So they do what Republicans and Donald Trump do. Say, oh yeah, we're just doing this because we have to do it. But don't you worry. After, after the midterms, it'll be a national ban. And of course, these dumb Trump LaFucks will buy into it. I mean, they still think Donald Trump is going to be put back in office at some point before 2022. These people aren't bright. They will believe anything they're told. And if they're told properly, they'll be excited about it. And I'm thinking that's maybe what uh, um, Mitch McConnell's doing here. He's trying to play both sides. He's trying to back off Roe v. Wade. Maybe it won't be overturned, and maybe it'll shut the Democrats up. It won't, but that's the only choice he has. The Trump LaFucks will get mad, but you say, hey, don't worry about it. When we have control, when we're running everything, we'll make sure there's a national ban. And of course, as I say, these dumb fucks will believe it and they will go for it. Mitch McConnell's a very smart man. He's evil as fuck, and I want him gone, but he's smart. He knows how to play this game. That's how he was so different from Donald Trump. Donald Trump didn't have a fucking clue how to play the game. He just did whatever he did and thought he could bully his way through. Well, Mitch McConnell's smart. He realized when this came out, this pretty much destroyed the midterms for them. Now, at this point, he's in recovery mode, trying to offer some damage control. And he thinks in his mind that if he calls off the Roe v. v. Wade being overturned, that it will take the heat off. I don't think it will. I honestly don't think it will because the Democrats are going to shove this down their throat every minute of every day between now and November. This was a gift to them, and they aren't going to give it back. They're going to keep shoving it in their face. But what else is Mitch McConnell going to do? Is he just going to give up? And that's not like Mitch McConnell. So he's going to back off Roe v. Wade. And then he's going to make the Trump LaFucks happy with a promise that he'll never fucking deliver on. It doesn't sound so crazy when you think about it, does it? Now, I don't know if that's what he's doing. I'm just looking at the situation and based on history with Mitch McConnell and the Trump LaFucks, that's how I see it maybe going down. So we'll see. They might very well overturn Roe v. Wade. And part of me hopes they do, because if they do, They're fucking dead in the midterms. They're absolutely dead in the midterms, and I would like nothing better than that. So we'll we'll, we'll see what what happens with that, but that's my sense in that situation. All right. Now, former President Donald Trump said he no longer has four cell phones identified by the New York Attorney General's investigation into the Trump Organization's finance but has turned over his personal phone to be searched as he tries to convince a state judge to lift the civil contempt ruling. That's, uh, what's that, $10,000 a day? And thus far, he's been fined $140,000. And tomorrow, it'll be $140,000 or $150,000. Goes up every fucking day. Now, in an affidavit filed with the court Friday, Trump said he doesn't currently have any phones, computers, or electronic devices issued to him by the Trump Organization, and that he has authorized his attorneys to search his homes in Bedminster, uh, New Jersey, his Mar-a-Lago resort in Florida, 
and his personal residence in Trump Tower for any documents sought by New York Attorney General Letitia James subpoena. He says they don't exist. Well, we know he has a habit of burning, shredding, eating, flushing, such things. And if these were, in fact, burner phones, who knows where they are? i got to think there's other ways they can get information from it, from the service that provides the, uh, the service to the phone. I don't know that for sure. But they're asking for it. Donald Trump tried to say, I don't have it. And they said, bullshit, we're going to keep finding you $10,000 a day. I don't know how this is going to shake out. I don't know how important whatever is on those four phones is to the case against Donald Trump. But we'll see. Trump said he currently has uh, two cell phones, an iPhone he uses for personal matters, and another phone he just received from Truth Social, that highly successful app, the social media company we've been talking about and that's been a complete failure. Uh, He said he uses those two exclusive, or the second one exclusively to post content on websites. Yeah, right. Now, the last thing is the New York Attorney General's office, Letitia James said, uh, James said Monday that Trump should not be cleared of civil contempt until a third-party firm finishes its review of the 17 boxes he stole and stored at an off-site storage facility, meaning Mar-a-Lago. So he's in trouble. It's not just the phones. We don't even know if he has any any uh, evidence on that phone that makes a difference because they've got so ma- many uh, people that have testified, a thousand people, um, and so I don't I don't know if it's important that they get the phones, but they're going to force it on him and take his money if they have to. Uh, but I think they made an interesting point that said, yeah, before we cut you loose and let you go. We need somebody to go through those 17 boxes you stole from the White House and took to Mar-a-Lago to see what was in it and what might be missing from it. So uh, Donald Trump is still kind of on the hook there a little bit. And we'll keep our ear to the ground and see how that plays out. It's, uh, It's a fucking mess. Now that is Letitia James. That is the Attorney General for New York. And that is a civil case a civil case regarding his business and some of the fraud that he committed. And clearly, there was a lot of fraud he committed. Now, we've talked about the Manhattan District and the new DA, Alvin Bragg, how he's essentially letting go of the prosecution of Donald Trump, and he's going to get killed for that. He will never get reelected again. But it's even going to be harder when Letitia James does lay out her... her, uh, evidence, and she sues him for um, in a civil court, this is going to put a lot of pressure on the Manhattan District. Uh, Letitia James is going to have evidence against Donald Trump, and the reason they're talking about not prosecuting Donald Trump is because of not enough evidence. Well, if Letitia James shows a lot of evidence, they're going to look pretty stupid, and that whole thing may change. It may not, but who knows? Who the fuck knows? Well, here's an anniversary date. I believe it was five years ago today. Then-President Donald Trump 
gave top Russian officials code word classified top secret intelligence, putting Israeli spies at risk, and celebrated his firing of FBI Director Jim Comey, Comey, all during a meeting inside the Oval Office. No American journalists were allowed to be present, but a photographer from Russia's state media was. You remember that? That should have been a red flag for us. Donald Trump had a meeting with Russian spies, noted Russian spies. He accidentally leaked to them some top-secret information, and he was bragging about how he fired Jim Comey. Now, included in the secret jovial Oval Office meeting were Russian Ambassador uh, Sergei Kislyak, and former minister Sergei Lavrov, who's a noted spy. Now, just two months before, Trump welcomed the officials into the Oval Office. Current and former U.S. intelligence officials have described Kislyak as a top spy and a recruiter of spies. The same could be said for Lavrov. One day after the secret meeting, the Russian embassy Uh, There was a photo of Donald Trump excitedly shaking the hand of Kislyak in a near embrace. Ten days after firing Comey, the world would learn that inside that secret Oval Office meeting, Trump told the Russians, I just fired the head of the FBI. He was crazy, a real nut job, as the New York Times reported. I face great pressure because of Russia. That's taken off now that I've fired Comey. Now, the question is, well, is Donald Trump an asset to Russia? Well, of fucking course he is. But I don't know that he realizes he's an asset. He's a willful idiot is what he is. We know how easily that Donald Trump is manipulated. All you have to do is pat him on the back, tell everybody what a wonderful fucking guy he is, and he'll do anything for you. It doesn't matter if you're one of his kids or the leader of an adversarial country like Russia. Let's be honest. Donald Trump has got a lot of help from Russia. His son, Eric Trump, said as much years before the, uh, the election. He said, we get most of our money from Russia. Now, some people will say, well, why haven't they found any trail from Russia? Here's my supposition. Here's what I think happened. Now, you know Donald Trump can't get a loan from a bank because he doesn't pay his loans back. However, there is Deutsche Bank that has loaned him a lot of money. But we're hearing now the money wasn't really Deutsche Bank's. It went through Deutsche Bank, and we know Deutsche Bank has had some problems and some fines and some indictments because of money laundering. And we know they deal with the Russian government. And from what it looks like, Russia would provide a bunch of money to give to Donald Trump, but by way of uh, Deutsche Bank, so it doesn't look like the Russians are giving it to him, and they are supporting Donald Trump. Now, i got to think, at some point, the Russians will want to get payback. Whether having him in office for four years was enough of a payback, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, is uh, that money came from Russia. That's what kept him alive. Everything he does is a fucking failure. So he needed some sugar daddy to take care of him. 
This is a story I talked about earlier, but this is a little more in-depth. Uh, 60 Minutes released a written statement the show received from the former president, which was rather personal, Esper, according to Trump. Uh, that's Mark Esper, the Secretary of Defense at the time. Um, said Trump was weak and a lightweight. Trump effectively claimed that he single-handedly led the U.S. military because of Esper's ineffectiveness. He twice slammed Esper as a rhino Republican in name only. Now, if mockery sounds familiar, it's because Trump has used similar phrasing to deal with many of other, the other former members of his team who've since denounced the former president. It's kind of unprecedented how many people who used to work for Donald Trump have now denounced him. And what's ironic, didn't Donald Trump tell us that he only hires the best people? Well, if they're the best people, they're talking shit about you right now. So it's an extraordinary list of people who are speaking out against Donald Trump. Former Attorney General William Barr, for example, recently rejected the idea of Trump returning to the White House. Former White House National Security Advisor John Bolton hasn't just denounced Trump last week. Bolton agreed that the former president would be a national security threat to the United States if given a second term. John Kelly, meanwhile, served as Trump's White House chief of staff for 17 months working side-by-side with the then-president every day in the West Wing. Now Kelly can barely contain his visceral contempt for Donald Trump. And circling back to our earlier coverage, they have uh, plenty of company. In June 2020, former Defense Secretary James Mattis wrote a rather extraordinary rebuke of Trump condemning the president for being uh, divisive, immature, and cavalier about abusing his powers. Two weeks later, Bolton concluded that the then president was not fit for office. Like I said, he said he hired all the best people, but he ended up firing all those people, and now all those people are coming out and saying he's a fucking idiot, he's incompetent, he's unfit, he's dangerous, he's dangerous to democracy. When are we going to start believing the people that were standing next to him? That's why we need further investigations. We need some indictments. We need some grand juries. And we need to get to the bottom of this. Donald Trump was allowed to do whatever the fuck he wants. And that has to be shored up because we cannot afford another president to do the same. Whether they be Republican or Democrat, that could damage the country permanently if that's allowed to happen. And as I've said before, the norms, the rules, the regulations have no fucking teeth because nobody's accountable. Donald Trump ran roughshod. He went rogue and he did anything he wanted as president. Hell, after he's been president, he's done pretty much whatever he wanted. So these things have to change. We have to start prosecuting some people to let people know that there is some accountability because if nobody gets prosecuted. This is going to happen again. And it could happen with a Democrat for all the fuck we know. So it's important we get some accountability. We make these people responsible for the crimes and the corruption they committed. And now all the people that ever worked for Donald Trump are agreeing with the Democrats, agreeing with all the things that we've said for five years. He's stupid. He's narcissistic. He's incompetent. He's inept. 
He's unfit for the job. We've been saying this for five years. Why did it take these people so long? Why did it take until they decided to write a book that they told the truth? That's what frustrates me about these people. They are simply opportunists. They don't give a fuck about the country or how it affected the country or any kind of patriotism at all. They held this tight to the cuff. They supported Donald Trump while he worked for him. And then they come out a couple of years later and say, oh, yeah, he was really a fucking mess. Well, thanks for telling us. You could have saved us a lot of trouble if you'd mentioned it while you were in your job and he was in office. Maybe it would have helped things uh, to grease the skids better for, for impeachment. Maybe we would have gotten a conviction in the Senate. Who knows? But, I mean, it's, it's good that we're hearing about all these things, but the fact of the matter is, is that um, we could have heard about it earlier. We could have saved this country a lot of trouble. I mean, think about this. Had he been impeached the first time he was impeached and he was convicted, how much less trouble would we have had in this country? We wouldn't have had the insurrection. We wouldn't have had some of the other problems. But the Senate, the Republican Senate, stopped him from being convicted. So the Republicans have to take responsibility for the after effects of allowing Donald Trump to stay on board. It's on the Republicans. It's on Donald Trump. And we need to remember this, and we need to keep talking about it, and we need to talk about overturning Roe v. Wade. We need to talk about January 6th. We need to do what the Republicans have done for years. They talk louder, longer, prouder, and they control the narrative. They're going to try to do it again. They're going to try to distract and do all this shit. We can't allow it. Even those people that only watch Fox, OAN, and such, this information will bleed over to them if we make it a big enough deal and we control the narrative. So that's what we need to do, and hopefully that's on the list of things to get done for the Democrats and the media and everybody else. We cannot afford to have these things going on in our country because it diminishes our country every day this shit is happening. All right, we're going to wrap it up for the Rational Boomer Podcast. want to thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to sit and listen to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Again, if you have questions, comments, complaints, you can send them to rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, find the Rational Boomer Podcast, and leave a voicemail message. I hope you have a great day, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.